everyone, I'm Michael Musangu. I'm a student at the University of Portland, studying biology and minoring in history. Tonight, we're going to be starting off with another Unsung Hero episode, and we're going to be delving into another hero of the World Wars. This time, it will be a hero of the Second World War, and this man, I must say, did some crazy feats that really, honestly, just defy even some of the basic things a mind can think of it, it it gets to such a level where you think wow so this guy like this is like superhuman ability almost you would think well i'll leave that up to you the listener to decide so let me go ahead and start with our food for thought for today's episode this quote comes from a revolutionary and his name was alexander hamilton he starts by saying that there is a certain enthusiasm in liberty that makes human nature rise above itself in acts of bravery and heroism. Let me say that one more time. He says that there, are certain, there is a certain enthusiasm in liberty that makes human nature rise above itself in acts of bravery and heroism. And, and I think in learning about today's character, Desmond Doss, you will learn a lot more about what it meant to be a hero, a true hero, in World War II. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into his story. Desmond Doss was born on the 7th of February, 1919, in Lynchburg, Virginia. And from when he was a child, you know, he always displayed this type of empathy and selflessness that would really make him into the man that he would later become. When he was a child, he would walk, he once, I shouldn't say he would, he once did a six-mile walk to donate blood to a car accident victim that he didn't even, that he didn't even know personally after hearing the need for it on a local radio station. A few days later, Doss literally walked down the same road to give more blood to um, accident victims in, for other situations. But it was also during the same time when Doss was a young man, that he re he realized that he had a major dislike for weapons. And this would actually persist up until he goes into combat in World War II. Doss was a Seventh-day Adventist, and, and he had a really strong belief in the Bible and the Ten Commandments, specifically the commandment that said, Thou shalt not kill. And, and, and this really um, led his ideas and, and formulated his ideas against killing and, and working on the Sabbath day as well. Being um, an Adventist, he observed Saturday as the holy day. His drunken father, once during a, um, during a bout here, his drunken father pulled a gun on his uncle during an argument. And his mother had to confiscate the forty-five from him. He told Doss to run and hide it. And he was so shaken by this experience that went on with his father that he decided that this was the first and last time he would ever hold a weapon. And actually, it was really, really, this is where he formed this idea of, I will never touch a weapon. I'm not going to kill anyone because the Bible says so. That, that was his mentality behind it. As a child, you know, Doss, I mean, apart from all this, he was also a normal kid, you know. He spent his time flattening pennies on the railway near his house, and he was wrestling with his younger brother, Harold, a lot. But he had a lot of physical resilience. And in other words, he didn't know how to give up. His brother, Harold, was quoted as saying that Doss, or Desmond, wasn't 
uh, fun enough to play with because, not because he wasn't particularly skilled, but rather because he didn't know how to surrender. And as we'll see later, this uh, desire not to surrender and, and to just go until you can't go anymore was really what would eventually lead to his heroistic acts, or his acts of heroism, I should say, in World War II. At the age of 18, Doss registered for the draft and worked as a shipyard in Newport News, Virginia. First of all, what a name. Who would name a place Newport News? You know, I would think, like, that would be... I actually thought that was a news station when I first, like, you know, looked it up and everything. But it's called Newport News. Don't ask. I have no idea. But anyways, he started working at this, um, at this station here. And around this time, war started to break out. And Doss leaped into this opportunity to start to serve his country in the conflict. So he started working at Newport News in about 1937. War broke out a few months later, of course, and the U.S. entered the war in 1941. By 1942, he decided that he wanted to do his patriotic duty and serve his country by entering the conflict as well. So he signed up for the draft, of course, as a responsible American citizen did at the time. The fact that he didn't want to carry a weapon or, for that matter, kill anyone also led to this label that most people got who didn't want to kill people as conscientious objector. So he decided, okay, maybe it's not the best idea to, you know, take that term because actually most people who are viewed as conscientious objectors for not holding a gun or doing things like that, they're less respected. And they're like, what, you can't hold a gun? What do you mean? How am I supposed to trust you to hold my back? And it's a tough thing. So he decided not to, he's like, I'm not going to get that term. I'm not a conscientious objector. I'm not going to try and sit home for all that is going on. So he decides to enter and work as a medic. The army assigned him to a rifle company in, in hopes that he would actually leave the military. They really just wanted him to leave. Even his commanding officers tried to get him discharged from mental illness, but he refused to do so because of his beliefs and, and, and his God. And another officer tried to get him court-martialed for refusing to hold a rifle, but that didn't happen successfully. But even though even though his commanding officers weren't happy with what was going on, they actually refused to give Doss leave when his brother Harold joined the U.S. Navy. But he eventually tried, he tried his best to appeal what the army was trying to do to kick him out. And he appealed this decision through all the ranks until they finally, with dragging feet, I must add, made him an army medic. So during... So he followed his, sol uh, his fellow soldiers during training camp, and most of them couldn't understand why Doss was there, of course. Most actually teased him to man up and carry a rifle. Some of them even launched um, or threw their boots at him, you know, and, and other objects while he was praying next to his bunk in the middle of the night, or at night, I should say. And there was one man uh, who was even quoted as threatening him that said, Doss, when we get into combat... I'll make sure you don't come back alive. Now, most would think that after all this discouragement that he must have been getting, that he would be like, oh, man, you know what? Forget it. You know, I came here for a good cause, but clearly no one wants me here, so let me leave. But he said, no, 
I'm going to stay. And actually, and actually, it actually gave him more power and more will to carry on. In fact, many soldiers hated him. It gets worse, you know. Many soldiers hated him for getting a pass on the Sabbath day because it was against his religion to work on a holy day. And even, and that said, you know, the, um, how do I say, the, the officers who were above Doss, his superior officers, gave Doss all the terrible, terrible stuff to do and complete by himself on Sundays while everyone else was in church. Which, again, was just something that, that Doss couldn't understand, per se. But that said, no one wanted to be his friend. And in his eyes, or I shouldn't say in his eyes, but in the eyes of those who were trying to reject him, in one point, they were trying to say, you know, friends have each other's backs. And how else will you have my back in a war situation without a defensive weapon? Therefore, in their eyes, Doss was completely useless to them. But Doss dismissed their behavior, actually, above all, and he actually rose up above it. He believed that his purpose was to serve both God and country, and he wanted to prove that you can do both at the same time. So, in 1944, he shipped out as a, in the medical attachment, in the medical as a medical attachment member of the 307th Infantry Regiment, 77th Infantry Division. He was he first went to Guam in July 1944, and the men realized the value of this Bible-carrying medic. For his bravery in treating wounded men under fire during the fighting in Guam, he was awarded a bronze silver star for valor. They also fought on, the, uh, on a nearby uh, island of Leyte. He was again w awarded another bronze star. He actually got two bronze stars for his bravery in combat. But it was at this point that he started to earn respect from his men at the um, the same men who were in boot camp with him and who were threatening him and making fun of him. He started to earn a lot of respect. But what really rose Doss to this level of, how do I say, immortality or to this level of heroism that everyone knows about is when he went to Okinawa and the Battle of the Okinawa Maeda Escarpment or what the Americans call Hacksaw Ridge occurred. It fell on the 7th of May, 1945, which was, er, on the 7th of May, the 5th of May, 1945, which was a Saturday. And the Japanese had spent many years, or not many, but they had spent a couple years building a system of tunnels in, in the hills, which was, um, which was basically, you know, a deterrent to all the Americans that were trying to get into their lines and try and find them because there were, it was basically a maze of hills, or a maze in the hill so there was no way for them to figure out where the Japanese were and since the Japanese knew that maze very well they actually had kind of an advantage on that point but that said company A and company B were both supposed to climb up and take the ridge and company A was another uh, regiment but company B was the regiment that DOS was a part of and they were basically supposed to scale this 400 foot um, cliff face and get over it and then fight the Japanese that were on top of the plateau 
of that cliff face. Therefore, this ridge was actually clipped by about a 30 foot um, embankment. Once you get to the top, you hit that ridge and it was like this 30 foot thing where you had to actually place cargo nets to secure your, your footing essentially. But the fighting was super grueling. It was so terrible. In fact, the artillery was coming in so fast and furiously that men were literally being ripped in half. It was so insane. The Japanese had a plan of waiting until all the Americans came to the top of the plateau to open fire, which, cre which would create a crazy amount of wounded soldiers. And what is amazing here is that Desmond Doss was fearless and he held his ground at the top of the plateau. He took off his medical markings uh, so that no more GIs would actually get killed. And during all this never-ending gunfire, Doss would treat the wounded American soldiers that were left for dead. In fact, this is where his heroism starts. Most of the Americans had retreated at this point, but there were approximately 75 that were left trapped on top of that plateau and everyone had already descended down the cliff face off the ridge. So even when his own life was at risk, he was determined to save as many men as he possibly could. So what he did is that he tied countless tourniquets and with explosions constantly ringing and he was covered in blood from head to toe in blood that wasn't even his own, I might add. He dragged each member of his company to the edge of the ridge and then he used this um, special knot that he had learned as a kid and created this knot to put the soldier in and he spent the um, 12 hours um, basically lowering the soldiers down and carefully lowered them down. And he, knew, and, and he did all this knowing that the Japanese soldiers would actually sometimes torture the wounded U.S. soldiers. So Doss refused to leave a single man on top of the ridge. In fact, in attempting to rescue so many people, he actually saved some of the Japanese soldiers, even though some of them actually didn't survive and perish from their wounds. He actually spent so much time trying to rescue anyone who was alive and he was going for the Americans, but he ended up rescuing Japanese soldiers in the process, actually. A few, a few I should add. Not all of them were Japanese, a few. <laughs> but that said, he spent 12 hours in this operation and not only did he leave no man behind, he actually miraculously escaped and, um, with no injury. And, and, and he was completely fine. Which is what made him literally a war hero. It, I mean, it was amazing. He literally afterwards claimed that it was God who spared him on that fateful day. In fact, according to Japanese soldiers' rep soldier reports, the soldiers that had their guns repeatedly on DOS... Um, only realized that their guns would jam when they attempted to fire at the last moments. So, so you can one can understand that Doss was truly believing that his God was the one who was protecting him at this point, and 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 the things that he did, the the feats that he performed, it's very very superhuman. It, it was it's pretty amazing. Two weeks later, he was in battle again only a few miles away from the ridge, and another Japanese grenade landed in the little foxhole or little trench that he was in um, taking care of patients. A grenade landed in the foxhole where he was in, and he attempted to kick the grenade away, but the grenade detonated before it com completely be kicked out of, his, out, of, um, out of the range that he was in, and it actually uh, 
destroyed his legs. Uh, he got deep shrapnel wound, wounds in his legs. He then, what he did, is that he treated himself for shock. He fixed his wounds instead of calling for another medic to arrive. And actually, five hours later, someone did arrive with the stretcher. And they started bringing him away in the stretcher. But Doss saw that there was a soldier in need. So he rolled himself off the stretcher, went to patch up the... The, the comrade who was wounded and put him on the stretcher. And he said, I'm going to wait for another stretcher to come pick me up. So now he's waiting for help to arrive. And he was shot by a sniper. And all his left arm was completely shattered. So you think that Doss would just give up and be like, all right, I guess this is it. No. Doss then crawls. 300 yards to the aid station without help and he didn't even realize this at this point but every time that Doss went into battle he always carried a bible with him I forgot to mention this point before he went into battle every time he always carried a bible with him and before he would go in he would actually stop and pray and when this happened he actually realized that he had left his bible on the field now his commanding officer, um, once he then got to the aid station, they were eventually taking care of him. His command officer then, uh, his commanding officer then came to him and brought him a gift while he was there being uh, treated, and it was a slightly burned and soggy Bible. Actually, the U.S. Um, the best part about this is that the U.S. actually captured the area from the Japanese, and the commanding officer said, "We're not leaving this um, this place until we find Doss's Bible." Just think about that. Like, I think that's so cool. Like, they had such respect for him that they were willing to do anything for him. Once they realized that he was also willing to do something for them, he was willing to risk his life for them, they were now also willing to pay him back for what he had done. So they said, we're not leaving until we find Doss's Bible. So they spent, um, literally that period just looking for his bible literally on the whole field they were looking in rubble and, and all the damage and all this stuff until his bible was found and he was also given literally after this point he was given the full respect of his fellow soldiers and he was awarded the medal of honor for his service and what makes this whole story amazing is that he was the first and he was the only conscientious objector to in world war ii to receive the medal of honor What's amazing is that um, even after, um, I, I've heard stories that even after Hacksaw Ridge, after the major, after that feat of rescuing over 75 U.S. personnel that were stuck on that plateau, it was actually said that the next battle they went to fight, they were like, we will not leave. And, and, and one of the commanding soldiers were like, why aren't you guys leaving? And they're like, we're not going to leave until DOS finish his praying oh man i thought that was really interesting like they had such respect for him that they were willing to wait for dos to finish praying before they went into battle i just think that's really cool but anyways that's besides the point dos eventually got treated um and he received his medal of honor of course he got treated and in may 1945 they eventually sent him home because he was wounded of course but um a couple months later President Truman eventually came to award him with the Medal of Honor. In fact, President Truman said, and I quote, I am proud of you. You really deserve this. I consider this a greater honor than being president. 
man, that, oh, man, that's so amazing. Like, I just, I think of this story, and I think it's so cool. Like, he literally dragged himself 300 yards. That's, like, a 1,000 feet. And it's probably, like, through enemy fire or whatnot, with a shattered arm and a shattered leg, just to get aid, because he refused to get on the stretcher, which he surrendered to his own comrade that was in need. And you're going to say that he was a conscientious objector. <laughs> so funny. In fact, he actually coined the term. He actually considered himself a conscientious operator or cooperator, I should say. It was it's kind of funny. But anyways, besides that point, he was eventually awarded the Medal of Honor. And when later quoted and when later asked about this honor that um, that he was given, Desmond Doss is quoted as saying, I feel that I received the Congressional Medal of Honor because I kept the golden rule that we read in Matthew 7:12. All things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Again, he was discharged in 1946. He then spent five years going through treatment. Um, his leg was shattered and his arm was shattered, so he never actually had proper mobility like he used to have before the war. Um, he actually also had a lung that was removed for the tuberculosis that he actually got when he was on the island of Leyte. And um, after this, he then went back to Georgia to work on his little farm that he had. But one thing I didn't mention is that in his personal life, you know, before he even went to war, he actually married his wife on the 17th of August, 1942. And he also had a son named Doss Jr., born in 1946. His wife's name was Dorothy. And even though when he went back to the farm to start working, he even though he was immo um, mo mo mobility limited due to all that happened to him in the war, his wife also helped him out being a nurse and stuff. So she also was working as a nurse to help with the income as well. And... Dorothy was eventually killed in a car accident in 1991. Doss then remarried in 1993 to Francis May Duman. And what's even sad about this whole thing is that after all that happened to Doss, he lost his hearing in 1976 due to the antibiotics that he, was, that he took actually rendered him completely deaf. In 1988, he got a cochlear implant that saved his hearing. But regardless of all that, he was still able to raise... And, and tend to his family on this small farm that he had in Georgia. Unfortunately, he passed away on the 23rd of March, 2006, after a short illness, or March, uh, the 23rd of March, 2006, after a short illness at the age of 87. And this literally concludes our episode here on Desmond Doss. What amazes me is that Regardless of all the problems that he went through, all the, all the, how would I say it? All the, all the flack that he got for holding to his beliefs of not carrying a gun because he had a, he had convictions based on his faith. It didn't stop him from being a help to his military unit. And, and I think we, we lose sight of this sometimes, that 
if we hold to our convictions and and they actually have good good cause and and whatnot for your personal beliefs if we hold to our convictions and don't compromise for anyone we will get rewarded it doesn't matter what you believe or or what goal you're trying to achieve or, or whatever it is the convictions that you hold have an impact on someone else because someone else is watching you and the things that you do and the convictions you hold will also encourage them to hold to the convictions they have and their beliefs that they have because it prevents people from being wishy-washy and and, and being kind of weak but it encourages them to stand strong and to take complete ownership and to become a leader in the situations that they are called to be leaders for. I hope this episode, I hope you found this episode interesting. I, I thought this, uh, this was one of my favorite episodes to do for sure. Um, I've, I, I came across the story of Desmond Doss a couple of years ago, but now with the podcast, I'm able to share it with everyone and I just think it's awesome. So until, for, until next time, I'm Michael Musangu, and this is the History Connection Podcast.